Well, the biggest newcomer for the Zags this season is LSU big man transfer Efton Reed with Drew Timmy back in the mix. We take a look at how Reed's role is going to develop in year one right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to prep you for another great season of Gonzaga hoops. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome to the third episode in our season series previewing every single player on Gonzaga's roster, taking a look at their history, their best and worst case scenarios for the upcoming season, and also taking a look at their expected role, expected production, and what their future might look like in a Gonzaga uniform. Also, welcome to Jersey Week here on the Locked On Zags podcast YouTube channel. If you have not checked it out, we are wearing a jersey for a Gonzaga alumni every episode this week. Today is the big 5-0 for Robert Sacre, the Los Angeles Lakers jersey. Haven't busted this one out in a while. Happy to toss it on. If you are a listener to the show and you are not watching on YouTube, you can go to youtube.com, search Locked On Zags. You'll find the channel. You'll see that big red subscribe button. Hit that button. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers before the start of the season. We're very close, so your help is much appreciated. Plus, you get to see all the cool jerseys that I have collected over the years regarding Zags. We're talking Afton Reed today. We're going to talk about his history here in the first segment. Afton Reed was a really, really highly rated prospect coming out of IMG Academy in the class of 2021. He was a top 25 ranked prospect by basically every single recruiting service out there. 24-7 Sports had him, I believe, 27th in their composite rankings for the class. He had a lot. He had options from a lot of different places. Kansas had an offer out for him. Michigan, Ohio State, Georgetown, all of those schools had offers. Of course, LSU had an offer as well. Reed eventually decided to, he took an official visit, decided to commit, joined Will Wade's program, ended up spending the entire first season there. Thirty-four starts in thirty-four games for Efton Reed. He was a full-time starter as a true freshman for a good SEC program. Uh, but he didn't play a whole lot, less than 20 minutes per game. Look, the ultimate story about Efton Reed's freshman season and, and kind of any lens to look at Efton Reed's career uh, up to this point kind of has to be taken with a grain of salt because this LSU team, quite frankly, was kind of a mess last year. It's The context is really necessary because when you look at Efton Reed's numbers, they do not jump off the page. 34 starts. 19.6 minutes per game. He averaged 6.3 points, 4.3 rebounds, 0.8 blocks. It doesn't jump off the page. There's a reason that the initial kind of reaction to Efton Reed coming to Gonzaga was a bit tepid. The reason that he wasn't, you know, Dawes Amac was on everybody's list because he averaged 18 points and 14 rebounds. It was at Utah Valley. But th- those numbers are going to jump off the page. Joni Broom at Moorhead State was a freaking monster. Kenneth Lofton, a bit of a different situation, but he was the other player that Gonzaga was really kind of known to be pursuing on the transfer portal. Also had gaudy numbers in college. 
Efton Reed did not. And when you're pursuing players in the transfer portal, how they did in college is the first thing that people are going to look at. Efton Reed's numbers, less than six and a half points, less than four and a half rebounds for a starting center. I can understand why there was some apprehension, but this doesn't even tell close to the full story. Will Wade's team was a mess. LSU did some really interesting things offensively, some frustrating things defensively. The guards for LSU last year were terrible. They ranked 315th in the country in turnover rate. I think Gonzaga was like 33rd, and we felt like it was a turnover-heavy year for the Zags. LSU was one of the 40 worst Division I teams in the entire country in terms of turning the basketball over. They ranked 277th in outside shooting. So this team, the guards couldn't shoot, and the guards continually turned the ball over. That's going to impact how a freshman center looks from a statistical performance. It's going to impact what that looks like. Also... Tari Eason was one of the best defensive players in all of college basketball last year. He's going to be one of the best defensive players in the NBA as he continues to mature. He ended up with Houston Rockets, was a first-round pick for them. He was kind of tasked with being LSU's primary rim protector, even though he had the ability to defend the five and defend the four and defend the three, which is part of the reason that Houston used an early draft pick on him, part of the reason that he has such a high appeal as an NBA player. But the... LSU, the Tigers didn't want to use him in that way. They used him pretty much right under the basket, being a rim protector, and he was good at that. It's not like he was he struggled there. But what it did is it, it created a situation where Reed spent a lot of his time playing away from the rim. He wasn't really asked to be a rim protector. He played a lot of defense out on the perimeter. And frankly, it's not a huge strength of his, but it also creates a situation where he comes to Gonzaga without a definitive proof of being a rim protector. We're going to talk more about this in the second segment and more about it in the third segment as well. But again, I think it highlights this kind of confusion about who Efton Reed is, what the statistics don't necessarily paint a picture of what kind of player he is. And and certainly you shouldn't be using one season's worth of stats, particularly 20 minutes per game as a significant barometer for how we feel about a player, especially a player who was a top 25 prospect the year previously. But I think in this situation, it's even more evident that the basketball player that Efton Reed is capable of being is not, doesn't necessarily look at all like the basketball player we saw at LSU. Gonzaga's offense is going to open up situations for him, allow him to create, allow him to be a better version of the basketball player that we saw simply because the offense is better. And more importantly, the guards are much better. He is going to play with considerably more talented players in the backcourt. And while Tari Eason was outstanding, he gets to play with Drew Timmy, who is the best scoring big man that college basketball has seen in a very long time. So I think looking at Efton Reed's player history is kind of a cautionary tale in in, in supplying more context to a player's history. Reed's performance at LSU doesn't tell us all that much about what kind of player he's going to be at Gonzaga. There are a few things that stand out for good and for bad. He was 65% around the rim. That led his team. 65% around the rim. Very, very good. Fits in very well at Gonzaga with what they do. He was also just under 46% on jump shots. And in fact, uh, from the 17 to 22 foot range, so distinctly mid-range, what is defined as a mid-range jump shot, Efton Reed was in the 98th percentile as a scorer from the mid-range. This is something he's really, really good at. We didn't see it in craziness in the kennel, but that was just a small scrimmage size. But Efton Reed is a very, very good finisher, 
15-ish feet away from the rim. That is going to help Gonzaga considerably because that's what they want. They're, they're going to run a lot of high action out of that. They're going to run high pick and rolls, get him opportunities to hit shots right there. If he can convert at you know something around 98th percentile in all of college basketball, that is going to be outstanding. Uh, Farid, again, he, he entered the transfer portal after that one season at LSU. Uh, he found his way to Gonzaga after a late push from Roger Powell. He flew across the country, met with him another time, talked to him. Again, the Zags were interested in a litany of talented big men. Basically, every big man that you heard about in the transfer portal, the Zags were connected to him by somebody. Whether they were actually talking to him or not remains to be seen. Some of those conversations we may never know about. But ultimately, the Zags found a guy who fits this team whether Drew Timmy had returned or not, of course, we know that Drew Timmy returned. Now the question is, what does that mean Efton Reed's role is going to look like in his first season in Spokane? And that's what I want to tell you about in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about LinkedIn. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster. And for free, LinkedIn Jobs connects you to the largest network out there of over 810 million people. Then you can add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, segment two. Still still Locked On Zags. Still want to thank all of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Here, segment two, we're talking Efton Reed. We're talking best case scenarios, worst case scenarios. I use this caveat for every one of these episodes. The best case scenario is within reason. The worst case scenario is without injury. I'm not going to tell you that the best case scenario for a player is winning the National Player of the Year and winning the championship unless that's a realistic outcome for that particular player. Likewise, I'm not going to tell you that the worst case scenario for a player is that they suffer a season-ending injury. That's fairly obvious. If injuries are a part of a player's past, we will discuss it. But for the most part, it's not going to be a part of the conversation. For Efton Reed, the best case scenario for Efton Reed, quite simply, is that Gonzaga's big man development machine is humming along. It's working as usual. The Zags have developed bigs at a more successful rate than anybody in the country. I feel very confident in making that statement when you look at the success rate of Gonzaga Biggs over the last decade plus. Kelly Olynyk, Kyle Wilcher, DeMontis Sabonis, Shemek Karnowski, Jonathan Williams, Killian Tilly, Rui Hachimura, Brandon Clark. I mean, the list is Philip Petrusev, of course, Drew Timmy. Now, the list is staggering. It is staggering the success rate that Gonzaga has had with Biggs, not only in developing them into the best version of the player they're capable of being, but identifying players who they know they can get the most out of. Their decision to go after Efton Reed, a player who, again, statistically looked like he didn't have a fantastic freshman season. We know that that's a bit of an aberration, but for them to identify him, hey, this is a kid who we believe can help us, 
is is already a huge win for Reed because he's in the right spot. And now the best case scenario is that this year is when the wheels start turning, when the machine starts working and it starts developing him. It's not necessarily stuff we're going to see up front. The stuff that we might see is that Efton Reed plays really well when Drew Timmy is on the bench, but he also plays well alongside him. And I think this is the biggest key for Efton Reed and for the Zags this season. I talked about it during the mailbag episode as well. How Efton Reed is deployed with Drew Timmy is something I'm very fascinated by. On paper, it looks likely that most of Efton Reed's minutes are going to come when Drew Timmy is on the bench. He is a traditional five in the sense that he plays he he, he plays center. He plays seven feet tall. He's 240 pounds. He looks like the biggest guy on the team by a lot. Like you look at the pictures of this team, he is a big big dude. He makes Drew Timmy look small. He makes Braden Huff look small. He makes all the other new or all the other younger guys look small. And he's not. I mean, it's because he's so big. It's because of how big he is. Those guys are not small, but Efton Reed is a really big dude. And I think for for us to see the best case scenario for him, it's not only is he playing well when Drew Timmy's on the bench, either in foul trouble or just taking a break or it's a blowout game, whatever the situation, but there are opportunities for the Zags to play both guys at once and we see Reed thrive in that role. What exactly that role looks like kind of remains to be seen. It'll be interested to see whether the Zags try to deploy a situation where Reed is the rim protector and that means Drew Timmy is playing away from the ball, something that he has not been particularly good at in his college career, but also something he needs to work on and needs to showcase if he wants to be an NBA player or because Reed has more experience, more familiarity playing away from the rim, even though it wasn't necessarily his strong suit, would the Zags have Reed come in the game and play away from the rim while Drew Timmy plays more of a rim protecting role? That doesn't seem like it makes a ton of sense to me. I'd be fairly surprised if we saw that. I think if they're in the game at the same time, Reed's going to be the one under the basket. He's going to be the one playing the, the rim protecting role. But again, I think the primary thing that's going to happen is that Reed's playing mostly without Drew Timmy. Best case scenario for Efton Reed is that we do see him capably playing defense in both roles. We see a player who can be a legitimate rim protector. We didn't see that at LSU, not because he tried and failed, because he didn't get a lot of opportunities to do it. The best case scenario for Efton Reed is that we, after this year, there is no debate about whether he is capable of being a rim protector, whether he is our future rim protector, like whether that's the role he's going to encapsulate or not. There's no debate about that. Efton Reed, rim protector. That's the best case scenario for him this year. Beyond that, his ability to play defense away from the rim, to hedge on screens, to do some of the stuff that the Gonzaga bigs are asked to do when they're not guarding the rim, is he looks good doing that. He has some experience doing that. He's a decent, decently mobile athlete, especially for a guy his size. In the best case scenario, he showcases that, and the Zags can deploy him in either defensive situation, knowing that he's going to give them high effort, high energy, and he's going to be good at it. Best case scenario for Efton Reed is that that 98th percentile in the mid-range makes him a huge weapon in the pick and roll. Nolan Hickman or Malachi Smith running the point, Efton Reed setting a screen, slipping the screen instead of rolling straight to the basket, just moving to the side a little bit, getting a dump pass 16 feet, bang. That kind of offense is really, really difficult to defend. Because if they tried to send a help defender, if Hickman reads it correctly, can kick it out to the corner where there's an open shooter, that's an easy shot for basically every one of Gonzaga's wings this year because of their outside shooting depth. If they don't send another player over there, Reed's going to be open. If he's shooting, you know, in the 98th percentile like he did at LSU, then he's going to be making those shots pretty consistently. They're going to be really, really tough to defend. 
We know Efton Reed can finish around the rim. Best case scenario, he continues to demonstrate that, but there's not really a doubt or uncertainty about his ability to do that. He's really big. He's really strong. He's going to be able to finish well around the rim. But the best case scenario for him is that we see improvements defensively away from the rim and around it. And we also see a player who can stretch the floor a little bit. A true best case scenario is that that 25% from three that we saw from him last year comes up quite a bit. My suspicion is that Gonzaga is not going to ask him to shoot a lot of threes. It's not going to be a part of the offense because Big men shooting threes hasn't been a part of Gonzaga's offense pretty much ever. There's only been a few notable exceptions, and they were guys who were straight-up knockdown shooters like Kyle Wilcher and Killian Tilly and Corey Kispert, depending on the the year when he was playing the four. But for Efton Reed, the best-case scenario is that when he does do that, he knocks him down. Or if he's not doing that, he's he's reliable in the mid-range. I don't think that the Zags need him to be like a, a consistent 35-plus percent three-point shooter. That's not something that they need from him. I doubt that it's something they really expect from him. I, I would obviously be a nice bonus, uh, but even even if even if he's just good enough out there that defenders have to honor it, that's fine. That's fine. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for, for the Zags and kind of what they try to do offensively anyway. Finally, the best case scenario for Efton Reed is that when we're looking ahead to next season, when this year ends, hopefully with a big old banner coming back to Spokane, Washington, and Drew Timmy's most likely almost 100% out the door, Anton Watson likely out the door, and fans are starting to think about who's going to start next year, Efton Reed is written down in Sharpie. It is solidified. He's going to be the starting center next year, but people are excited about it. They're ready to see what he looks like in a full role. There's no debate. There's no discourse. There's no conversation. Boom. Efton Reed, your starter. What are the worst case scenarios for Efton Reed? Well, the worst case scenario is that he gets kind of lost in the shuffle of Gonzaga's bigs. There's a lot of really talented big men on this roster. Drew Timmy, Anton Watson, Julian Strother, Ben Gregg, Caden Perry, Braden Huff. All of those players are competing to play minutes this year. Not all of them are going to. There's just not any chance that all of them are going to play consistent regular minutes. Efton Reed is quite likely ahead of most of those players. But in the worst case scenario for him, he gets passed up. A healthy Caden Perry usurps him on the depth chart and plays more minutes. Ben Gregg, who is a pretty different player from Efton Reed, so I don't think they're necessarily competing. But there's a situation where if Efton's struggling, Ben Gregg's playing really well, maybe instead of going to Reed as the backup for Drew Timmy, maybe Anton shifts up to the five, Ben Gregg comes in and plays the four. I could see that happening if Reed's struggling or if Ben Gregg is just absolutely crushing it, which from what we've heard so far, he's having a really, really nice start to the season. So... Worst case scenario for Efton Reed, again, because this is kind of a developmental year for him, a lot of what could actually be the worst case scenario are not necessarily things that we would see. Maybe the development isn't happening as quickly as the staff is expecting it to. Maybe the expectation that he would develop into more of a rim protector or more of an outside shooter isn't necessarily happening. Those are kind of things that we may not necessarily see, uh, especially if he doesn't have a very big role. Obviously, there are worst case scenarios where he plays a lot of minutes and plays poorly, but that's not likely going to happen because if he's not playing well, he's just he's just not going to play. He's not in a situation where the Zags are going to be overly reliant on him playing 20, 25 minutes per game. They, they don't need to play him really at all. I think that the the vision for him this year is to play a significant role every single day. They didn't bring him in here to not play. But because that's the nice thing about having so much depth and so much talent is if a guy's not ready, if a guy's struggling, they just don't play. 
they go behind the scenes, they do their work, uh, you know, in practices, they get better that way. We've seen players, you know, come out of a year or two behind the scenes and, and be outstanding. Rui Hachimura was a guy who didn't play for two years and then became a lottery pick. Like it happens at Gonzaga fairly regularly. So any worst case scenario for Efton Reed is kind of the, it's not necessarily something we would see in its entirety, unless it was something really out of character, like he, he's visibly upset with playing time and throwing a fit or anything like that, which I don't like to mention those because I don't think Gonzaga recruits players who do that. And we have an incredibly small amount of, of stories indicating that really ever happening in Gonzaga's program. And I don't want to just besmirch any players uh, in that regard. So I don't think this is going to happen. But if Efton Reed doesn't end up playing that much, if his role is a little bit smaller than people expected, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the worst case scenario. It could just mean that he's developing behind the scenes. Having said that, a few things we could notably see that would be concerning. Uh, certainly if the outside shot doesn't show up or if there's regression in the mid-range game, that doesn't end up being something that that is a part of his arsenal. I think that that's something the Zags are, are really hoping he will bring to the team because it just creates another, like we kind of mentioned, it creates another really challenging defensive assignment for opposing teams. Uh, certainly how he is as a rim protector is going to be a huge part of this upcoming season. And without Chet Holmgren, who was you know, the best rim protector Gonzaga's ever had, that is is a big area to fill. And in a worst case scenario, Efton Reed is foul prone or he's a step slow and he's not challenging shots at the rim as effectively as he should be. He's committing more fouls than he is actually blocking shots. And that's just not either they have to go to Caden Perry to do that or they have to rely on Drew Timmy to do that uh, or Anton Watson who just neither that's not their strengths uh, and it would be tough if they were kind of had had to shoulder the load as, as rim protectors in a way that neither of them are necessarily capable of doing. Beyond that, worst case scenario for Efton Reed is that the same situation. Drew Timmy's gone. Anton Watson's gone. We're looking at next year's roster. And we are thinking, well, who, who are we going to find in the transfer portal? Who's going to start at center next year? Because it's not going to be Efton. Or who's we need to bring somebody in to compete with Efton. We can't just give the job to Efton. The best case scenario is that we pencil him in and say, nope, he's the starter. Not even, not even have to worry about it at all. Worst case scenario is that's not the conversation we're having. There's concern like we should bring somebody else in and have Efton come off the bench again. And, and again, if, if if it takes him two years, but then he explodes in his third year in Spokane, that's not necessarily that bad of a thing. It's not necessarily this horrible detrimental thing. But the hope, I think, for the staff, the hope for the fans is that Efton Reed is, is ready to be that guy as soon as next season. Not this upcoming season, but the year after that. Worst case scenario, there's some serious uncertainty about whether he's going to be that guy or not. All right, we're going to come back in the third and final segment. We're going to talk more realistic expectations for Efton Reed and what his future might look like. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. If you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture. They have real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com now to snag a box for you and the family. It will be a perfect treat. Or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. What's great about Built is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. 
Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com now and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment number three. Still any patents, still locked on Zags. Still talking LSU transfer big man Efton Reed and what he is bringing to the Gonzaga Bulldogs this upcoming season. We talked about his history. We talked about the best and worst case scenarios for how his sophomore year could go. Now here in the third segment, I want to talk about the expectations, at least for me, for what his role is going to look like. I think Efton Reed's going to play about 12 to 15, maybe 18 or so minutes per game. I think that there's kind of was a sentiment that he was going to play more than that, that he's going to be 20, 25 minutes per game guy. And I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see it because I think the roster construction is is such that Julian Strother has to play the four. We have been making that assumption for, for months now on Locked On Zags. Many other Gonzaga content creators, analysts out there ha- have made a similar assumption. The belief is that the Zags are going to start a three-guard lineup with Julian Strother playing a small ball four role, similar to the role that Corey Kispert had during that 2020-2021 season when he was the power forward, Drew Timmy was the center, and they started three guards outside of that. Of course, that team's primary issue was rim protection, which is why there's a bit of fear if the Zags attempt to do that again. But I think that Reed is going to, to get the majority of his minutes as the backup five when Drew Timmy is not in the game. Games where Drew Timmy gets in foul trouble, games where Drew Timmy struggles, games where Drew Timmy drops 35 points in the first three-fourths of the game and just ends up sitting out the last 10 minutes, whatever it may be, I think that's where most of Efton Reed's minutes are going to come. I think Julian Strother is going to play 30 minutes at the four most nights. He'll probably play some minutes at the three, so maybe it's like 26, 27 minutes at the four, five or so minutes at the three. And Anton Watson's going to play 18 to 20 minutes per game because he's played 18 to 20 minutes per game every single year that he has been with the Zags. Mark Few loves playing veteran guys. He loves rewarding older guys with playing time. It would be shocking to me, quite frankly, if Efton Reed played more than Anton Watson. You could make some arguments on on talent or upside or, or fit or whatever if you wanted to make those arguments. But at the end of the day, I think Anton Watson fits a little bit more alongside Drew Timmy. And more importantly, I think Mark Few is just more likely to play him. They're developing Efton Reed. It's not to say they're not developing Anton Watson, but they're ready to let him go. He's going to play 18 to 20 minutes because he's played 18 to 20 minutes the last couple of years, and he's been pretty darn good at it. So I think that that's going to be his role, that role, plus Julian playing a lot of minutes at the four, plus the emergence of Ben Gregg, who I think I mentioned on Tuesday's episode, he's going to play. I don't know exactly how much. I have a hard time seeing exactly how because they have so much depth in the front court, but Ben has worked really hard to get his body in shape. He's physically stronger. He's faster. He's better. He's he's just an improved basketball player. Brian Michelson raved about him during craziness in the kennel on Saturday. I think he's going to play. And if he's soaking up a few minutes, if Julian's playing most of his time at the four, if Anton's getting his customary amount of minutes, that kind of leaves Efton Reed playing most of his minutes at the backup five. 
I do think we will see some of the Drew Timmy Efton Reed lineup. I don't know how often. I suspect very little. I think it's something that is going to be talked about a lot more than we actually see it. Reminds me a little bit of that 2014 season when people really wanted the Shemek Karnowski, DeMontis Sabonis, Kyle Wilcher lineups. The three bigs got discussed just at length constantly in the preseason, constantly at the start of the season, and then it kind of just never really happened. I think that this is a smaller scale of that conversation, but I think that there's a lot of talk about the Drew Timmy Efton Reed lineups, but I'm not very confident we're actually going to see all that much of it. I do think Reed will be asked to protect the rim when he's on the floor. I think by and large, that will be a big facet of what he's asked to do for the Gonzaga Bulldogs this upcoming season is protect the rim, be a shot blocker or be a shot alterer. Learn how to use your feet defensively so you're not committing fouls. Learn how to not be a step slow. Things that just take time to develop and skills that, unfortunately, Efton may be a little bit further behind because he didn't do much rim protecting at LSU. He's going to potentially look a little bit more like a true freshman as opposed to a sophomore in that regard. But Efton Reed is also very, very talented, very, very mobile just naturally very good at basketball. So his skills, his ability to pick that up and kind of improve on those things is probably pretty good. So I think that he's going to get better at that as the year goes on. But I also think that's going to be a big part of what he's asked to do. Beyond that, I'm excited to see how he looks in the pick and roll. Talked about that a little bit already in the second segment about his his proficiency as a mid-range scorer. I think that could be a really nice benefit for the Zags. Certainly, Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren last year both had the ability to hit those mid-range shots. They didn't ask Drew to do it all that often. Chet certainly could have done it more. He often, if he got the ball around the rim, he just took a dribble and got to the rim. If he got it farther out, he just took a three. Nothing wrong with that. He was pretty darn good at both of those things. But I do think that Efton adding that mid-range element is something that that could really help the Zags this season. I think it's more of a development year for Efton. I think that that is great. I do not think that there is anything wrong with that. I think that the proof is in the pudding for Gonzaga's ability to develop bigs. If Reed is playing 12 to 15 minutes per night, and maybe there's some consternation, some concern, is this enough? Is he going to be ready? There's a lot of proof that shows that, yeah, he's probably going to be ready because Gonzaga's really, really good at this. They do this better than just about anybody. I think Efton Reed's the starting center in the 23-24 season, and I think he's going to be really good. I think there's the potential, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but there's a potential that Efton Reed's 23-24 season in his final season in a, in a college uniform. He could be that good as a seven-footer with some mobility, with some size on him. If he shows some improvement this year and then really breaks out, in his third college season, his second in Spokane, there's a chance that, hey, look, look at this seven-foot guy who's got some decent range, can stretch the floor, can block shots a little bit. That's enough. Guy who had pedigree coming out of high school, like that's enough for him to get legitimate first-round or at least second-round conversation. It's really hard to actually project what's going to happen at this point, but I think that it is absolutely possible that Efton Reed has a good but somewhat quiet developmental year this year and then explodes in his second season in Spokane. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Check out more at the website scorezagscore.com if you haven't yet done so yet. More fun stuff coming your way this week. We're going to talk about the other transfer for the Zags and give a player preview for Malachi Smith. We also got some NBA chat later in the week right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC doesn't exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. 
Host Spencer McLaughlin, the local experts of Locked On, take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.